So I broke the, I told you, Caleb, that I broke the USB with the movie on it, and I had to use a DVD, but it was off, and so I bought the movie on YouTube, and it's off even more, so I had to subtract <laughs> 21 seconds from everything. Can I just give you another USB? Yeah, you could do, that'd be awesome. Okay, let's try and remember that. Oh, I'll remember. <laughs> right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is your weekly podcast that delivers a minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 Transformers movie. This is episode 56, which means we're going to be covering the 5501 to the 56-minute mark. And I am your host, Aaron. And, uh, guys, I uh, checked the clock when I got home today and realized I was alone. I sat for hours, (laughs) hours by the window, wondering where... Did you go? Where did you guys go? And who are you? Uh, I am Ryan, and um, I was. Um, that's you know what? Um, can't remember any more lyrics except when you say them. I'm like, I know that. I remember that video coming up. Um, I think it was USA Up All Night. After USA Up All Night was over, um, they would run music videos, and that was the mm-hmm. first time I ever heard of that band. Uh, seeing that music video. And that band is the uh, Mighty Mighty Boss. Right. There we go. No. Who are you, guy that knows the name of that band? <laughs> I am not a fan of the Mighty Mighty Oh, Mighty really? Mighty How Mighty dare you? <laughs> How can you not be? Never were? I, I just... Uh, uh, I just don't like people from Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Starting a flame war. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And who is this person that doesn't like the Mighty Bostones, just so that the audience is clear that I'm... it's not me or Ryan? <laughs> I'm Caleb. <laughs> And I, I fucking hate Boston. I, I, Who fucking take the car, the park, and hop in your eye? I would never eat beans. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan was attacked by a man from Boston at a wedding because oh, yeah. he was flirting with that guy's ex-girlfriend a little too hard, yeah. and uh, the guy didn't like it. Did you Did you run off and he was like, where did you go? <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. I mean, that's the first and only fight I've ever been in. I was so upset because it was over before I realized I was in a fight. So yeah, we were at this wedding reception. There was this super cute like she i'm very into like you know vintage like you know 40s 50s 60s um aesthetic and she was polish and had like this like sundress like this yellow dress on and her hair was done like in a 1940s like nurse style uh-huh. and um so yeah i'm flirting with her and like <laughs> dancing with her and stuff and it has been framed to me that he was her ex-boyfriend but he did not feel that he was as ex as i, I guess that she well, did why was he there they came together because they were like friends or whatever. Mm, that's, and yeah. yeah. And then he went and bought a whole bottle of uh, fucking Grey Goose vodka, proceeded to drink most of it. Yep. And then she and I were walking to go to the bathroom because it was an outside reception. So we're walking to the bathroom. I guess he thought we were going to go bang in the forest or whatever. And so I'm in mid sentence and I just feel something come around my left side and oh, crack. He hits you. Yeah, yeah. Crack me right where my jaw meets my skull. Oh, yeah. And I fell down and I'm hammered. So I think it's one of you guys like fucking with me or something. Was I there? I don't think so. 
me or that it was or a, Jason. It, yeah, it was or, a wolf. The wolf wedding. Yeah. Ah. So I figure somebody's just like wrestling with me. I don't really even feel the punch. I just feel getting knocked down, and he like flails at me a little bit, and I'm like, because I remember actually saying, "What are you doing?" You're lucky and then, he didn't like stomp the shit out. I know, of but he was too drunk to fight. <laughs> it's like too drunk to jerk off. Um, and so he gets up and runs away, and that's about the time I realize, oh, I was in a fight, and then I'm upset because I'm never gonna be in a fight again, and I feel like I could have done all right. And but like the, the repercussions of it were that I did not get any action because that kind of killed the whole mood, and uh, I had a sore jaw the next day. And um, I remember talking to Jason Wolf's father, and he was talking. He said, "Yeah, I was talking to that guy before, and uh, he was saying to me, yeah, when I get drunk, I'm a real asshole.'" And I, I guess he was. <laughs> God. Uh, but that's no reason. That's one man from Boston. No reason to cast dispersions at a whole city or a whole musical genre. Do you like other ska artists of yeah. the nineties? Like, yeah, I don't. Uh, for some, I, 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 they're very. I, the Boston's are very talented. There's just <laughs> something about them. I just, I do not, do not. I, they just don't get my dick hard. I've been watching a lot of Cheers reruns. Uh, I'm going through the run again of Cheers for like the eighth time. All right. Well, that's redeeming. For the, us, the, the specials are a good ska band that I like. The specials. Okay, all right. All right so is that, that like original, like Jamaican ska, not part of that the, was uh, the rebirth, the nineties? No, this was a, this was a, a, the ska uh, movement in the in in uh, United Kingdom in the in the late seventies. Okay, got, early eighties. Would that be mid era ska? I, I think they call that this this the I don't know if that's the first or second wave. Of okay, Scott. all right. I do not know. Welcome to Ska Talk. Everybody. <laughs> Scott Talk. <laughs> hey, we have a new review, gentlemen, and Woo-hoo. I'd like to take a moment to shout out uh, DJack Thirteen, or as I've discovered, it goes by the name Don Cameron <laughs> on Twitter, right. and he left us a very complimentary review with the headline "Opposite of Uncrasmatic." Charismatic. <laughs> no. Uncrasmatic. It's a reference it's a to a mispronunciation oh, of bad. Rumble. Nobody says sound waves uncrasmatic. Oh. The battle on the ships. We're going to force you to watch this movie someday. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast provides the best commentary for the 1986 Transformers movie as the hosts tackle every small detail minute to minute. And it's hilarious. I usually listen while working around the house, and my wife often wonders why I randomly (laughs) burst out laughing. Once you listen, you'll never watch the movie the same way again. If you like the original Transformers, you'll love this podcast. And that's it. That was a great review. (laughs) If my mother wasn't in Valhalla, I would think that she wrote that. That was such a nice (laughs) nice review of our work. (laughs) Too too nice for somebody not related to me. Don't make fun of my Valhalla reference. I I would never. (laughs) I'd put that guy... A close, very close second in reviewing to the Bears rule. The Bears rule. We that miss was you. I was just like, I'm just glad he didn't single out Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And secondly, before we get into it, we'd like to thank uh, Mike Seibert of Mike Seibert Radio. Uh, by the time you've listened to this, he's had us on his show, mm-hmm. which broadcast last week. And uh, because this is being recorded before that interview takes place, let's just say it was fascinating. We came uh, off really well. Yeah, Yeah. we looked really good. We dove deeply into the true psyches of the Autopod Decepticast crew here. I Uh, barely mentioned butt fucking. (laughs) That's right. And I was totally caught off guard when I got punched in the face by that guy from Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Just came down in the basement. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, seriously, check out Mike Seibert Radio. It's great. His professionalism mm-hmm. certainly brings me shame. The format is kind of, you know, whatever he wants to talk about, but there's a lot of pop culture stuff, movies, especially comic book movies. Yeah. Um, he does really great interviews, uh, a lot of indie music stuff and interviews. And so, uh, and but most of all, he's a huge Transformers fan, a huge fan of Transformers the movie, and I'm not sure there's an episode that goes by that I've listened to of his episode, of his show that he doesn't reference Transformers the movie in some way. So he had us on. It was his episode 150. Yeah. And uh, you all should go out and check that out if you aren't sick of our voices just on a weekly basis in general. Uh, and I'll also note that uh, we're going to have Mike join us on a special episode. That'd be 58, which will launch April 29th. And we're all very excited about it. It's the Ultra Magnus Death episode. Spoilers! And uh, so we're excited to rap with him about that scene. And Do you feel o- good about that? Rap with him? Yeah. You like that sentence? It's like, yeah. I'm, it's dad. It's dad talk. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get. We're gonna get groovy. Hey, man, that's ratchet. It's not ratchet. Bay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, oh, uh, speaking of things that are ratchet, uh, <laughs> I have a I have a correction to make. Two episodes ago, for some reason, we were talking about Missy Elliott oh, no. and referenced her song "The Rain" Supa Dupa Fly and yeah. incorrectly identified the sample as a Tina Turner song. Oh, great! Caleb was wrong, as pointed out by listener Ben B. Should I say his full name? Do you think he? I, ben yeah. Bunch from Brooklyn. Yeah. That the triple B. That's right. Let us know that it's Ann Peebles. So I hope yeah, that didn't cause wow. anybody any I usually, distress. I hope I nobody drove off a cliff because of it. <laughs> Just filled with rage. <laughs> They're listening. Well, uh, uh, the who who is the who's the, the the artist the correct artist? We well the correct artist is Ann Peebles. We so, incorrectly said Tina Turner. Right. So Ann Peebles is listening at home, being like, <laughs> "No, God no. damn it!" <laughs> Friend of the show. That's right, Ann Peebles. We love you. R.I.P. Just kidding. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Let's find out. Last ep- while he does that, yeah. last episode of recap, we met the original intergalactic battle rapper, the goat of the Transformers universe, Wheelie. Oh, God. I didn't, when I was writing like part of the summary for last episode, I did realize that it was, oh, what? I'm, I was doing a search for Ann Peebles. And just listening in, I typed in Ann Wheelie. <laughs> <laughs> Is she dead? <laughs> okay. Sorry. I just, I did no. that. Did, yeah. Okay. It's fine. I was just thinking about it and I didn't even realize when we were watching the minute until I was doing the summary after I'd edited the show. Yeah, we had the like a, a perfect storm of annoyance with the Dinobots and yeah. Wheelie on frame at the same time. Yeah, that's, that's not fun. And I guess I never realized how not fun that is. Um, speaking of the Dinobots, after some verbal fisticuffs and some initial physicality, Grimlock gets Goliath into friendship, okay. and the team moves on their way to locate Hot Rod and Cup. And we ended the minute back at Unicron with his creepy theme song, Rectum Mouth, and Galvatron standing at attention. Caleb, do you have an update on Ann Peebles? She's alive and well. Excellent. We'll Rectum at Twitter. Damn near <laughs> yeah. killed him. So we kick off this minute mm-hmm. at uh, 5501 with uh, Galvatron kind of bitching at Unicron. Why did you torture me? Which, Which is, a, is a valid question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he thought he was doing his job well. 
Why can't Unicron send emails? Why not schedule a one-on-one? <laughs> Why does it have to be psychotic pain deuce? I know, did induction? think about this also because we talked about whether he can send thoughts, and I guess he can't. But he can only send pain over distance, he's which a, is weird. He's a bully that can only communicate through dickish behavior. Um, so... <laughs> Oh shoot! Hang on. The, turn that down. Go the on. animation on this sequence is pretty good. I, I, the whole like yeah. the whole Unicron and Galvatron bit is pretty good. Yeah, I was gonna say that I th- I feel like this uh, like these close-ups on Unicron during this sequence are some of the best. Just illustrate. They're mostly static, but static illustrated elements of of the movie. So mm-hmm. so Unicron lets Galvatron know the reason it all went down is because he's failed, and Galvatron's kind of like boo 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 boo. Magnus is dead, and the Matrix is destroyed, and. <laughs> Unicron takes the opportunity to clarify that the Matrix has not been destroyed and that Ultramanus lives on the planet you know, of junk. This is kind of like... This is a cool, right? The pause at 5515, like the detail of the greebles, if you will, on Unicron's <laughs> uh, anus teeth. This is kind of... A, this scene is like um, a, a, a juxtaposition or a new version of the scene with Megatron where he's saying that Prime's dead and the Matrix died with him. That's true. And Galvatron's saying Ultra Magnus is dead, the Matrix is gone, and he's like, both times Unicron is like, you're a fool. <laughs> it seems like Decepticons have a very uh, base-level understanding of what the Matrix is and what it, <laughs> what it takes to destroy it. They know it exists, but they don't know much about it. And, and are also not willing to investigate whether something has definitively been <laughs> right. destroyed. That's right. But then Unicron has... He goes to the... Well, we've, we've already covered he can only communicate pain, but God, he's got to go back to the trouble of bringing him back, mm-hmm. explaining right. it to him, and right. sending him back out. <laughs> I guess he's too slow to go after Ultra Magnus. I don't know. Right. Right. Don't know. Well, again, because movie, but yeah, it would yeah. be a, it would I, it would benefit Unicron to just go take care of this shit by himself. <laughs> he he he's something done right. Just yeah. <laughs> also, Unicron is also aware of the Planet of Junk's existence. Everybody just knows about this Planet of I Junk. I thought of yeah. that too, and I think it's because of his connection to the Matrix, which is why he knows Ultra Magnus is still alive. I think it's like, because he can see, basically, kind of, what the Matrix is doing. Yeah. Do you think that for Unicron, the planet of junk is like junk food? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like eating a fried chicken strip. He he doesn't go after it, because if he eats it, it's going to get his cholesterol level up. <laughs> yeah, and he's my, got a bad ticket. Yeah, he's my, on intermittent fasting. My doctor says I should watch my cholesterol. I'm juicing. <laughs> uh, I, so, I can't wait to get off the whole 30 diet. <laughs> I'd really like some chocolate cake. But did you know that there is a recipe for ranch dressing that is whole 30 complete? Oh, like, yeah. It blew my mind. He just starts talking to Galvatron about whole 30. <laughs> <laughs> New character, Unicron on a diet. I think Ooh. we've got stand up Unicron. <laughs> Fa- uh, fad diet Unicron. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what's how this uh, how this develops. Uh, so Unicron uh, then kind of t- continues, gives the order. He tells Galvatron to stalk him, tear him apart, and yeah, destroy the Matrix. I, I mean, I think the Unicron is the only accent we can all do relatively well. <laughs> A sh- that's because there's not really a uh, tone you no. have to match. You just have to be like come from the throat and yeah. get as deep as you can. Hey, let me tell you about that. <laughs> Whoa. Um, so then next we see a shot of Galvatron's crew departing uh, Unicron en route to the planet of junk. Mm-hmm. So um, spoilers for the future, but I wonder if that tear it apart 
uh, line is a throwback to, I guess what we'll talk about is an early version of the script where Ultra Magnus dies in a uniquely different way uh, in early scripts. Yeah. And in fact, in fact, I think in all scripts than what we see on screen. But um, I think you probably, I think that could be correct. We'll talk about it more in a couple episodes, but uh, Ultra Magnus should have been drawn and quartered as opposed to just shot at and exploding. But uh, we'll get to that later. They leave Unicron's presence, and then we are uh, back to junk. And if you will pause it when we first get back to junk, where uh, right there, uh, if you notice Springer is welding with his index finger. At 5536, wow, I never noticed that before. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of, uh, I was going to say ETing it, but uh, we can see that Blur has like a contraption that yeah, like came out of his wrists. The ancillary blades, But it's a welder. Well... And it, this actually makes more sense to weld with your finger instead of having a whole apparatus come out and do it. But uh, this will also come in in my script deviations. Okay, interesting. So we're back to junk. RC, Springer, Perceptor, and Blur. They're repairing the ship. Uh, we've already mentioned the trope of Transformers turning their hand sockets into anything they want. Um, but Perceptor is kind of taking the lead here, and he's just bossing him around a little bit. Be sure, be sure the fittings are securely welded. That was perfect. <laughs> be sure the fit. fit. Be, be sure, sure the fillings are securely <laughs> sure. Be sure. Blur. <laughs> I was trying to join in Blur. on the no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. I just had to quit. <laughs> it's funnier just to make fun of me than it is for me to keep <laughs> trying. Uh, Blur, in his special annoying way, affirms, Hey, that's what I'm doing, man. Get off my back. I needed more lines in this movie. That's right. Daniel walks on screen then at the uh, 5542 <laughs> moment. And in an exhibition of the powers granted to him, by Spike's exosuit, he's carrying what must be a two-ton hunk of metal. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm getting the hang of this, everybody. Yeah, he's actually helping. He's actually he's doing working. something. What do you think the gravity is like on junk? Is well, uh, gravity on everything appears to be Earth nominal. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's not, I think... Maybe we, it's dense. It's not a big planet, but it's dense. Could be. I think junk. we just have to let it slide, because also it's not a sphere. Because if it had that much gravity, it would be a sphere. But right. I think we just have to let it go. All right. It's sort of like in you get sci-fi gimmies like faster than light travel and gravity within ships. Right. So I want to address why everybody's not space. floating. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Or, right. or, or, we, or why everything's just not floating apart. It's a good question. It's just yeah. I mean, let's let's. I'm just wondering if the suit granted him superpowers or the lack of gravity or some combination there, doesn't really matter. If there was uh, a lack a, of gravity on this planet, you know what a shitty mess that would be with junk <laughs> floating around everywhere. It would be like the space junk around our planet. Yes, it would. <laughs> Maybe that's what formed uh, junky. Oh shit! Except this is the year 2005. In the year 2000. So we pull a mile or so back from the ship's work site to see a group of Junkions gathered, presumably mm -hmm. to do battle with the Autobots. We see our friend, our favorite, Retgar again, who comes at us with the line, forward, avanti, up, felon like, go for the gusto. And he turns his head and sees a huge Decepticon force emerging from the horizon. He says something indecipherable. And uh, <laughs> Ultra Magnus uh, turns from the wreckage, sees the threat, Decepticons. And that is where this minute Ends. I did a little bit of research into the Retgar reference. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If anybody has an idea of how it I, makes I looked more into sense. this too. Go oh, ahead. did you? Okay. Well, you go ahead. Uh, well, I and it's also because it's in my script, which is why I could understand what he's saying. Mm -hmm. um, but Avanti, here. uh, here's what I found, and it does. It's kind of gibberish, but it kind of makes sense. Avanti is Italian for forward. Uh, Apfel. Right. 
is German, German for apple. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know if it, I tried to look around to see if maybe he misspelled another German word or if it's something else in another language. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything. And then Gung Ho is an anglicized uh, version of Gong He. Pardon me for our Chinese listeners that that is a, probably not how that's pronounced, but it means work together. And that is uh, coined from the 1939 Chinese Industrial Corporations, uh, which is an organization founded in Hong Kong by um, Western expatriates to promote grassroots industrial uh, economic development in China. That's interesting because what was that phrase you just said? Not the, 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 the English version of the phrase. Uh, gong, gong he? No, yeah, what, what's the English Oh, gung ho. Gung ho. Because I didn't catch gung ho, I got go for the gusto. Did you not get go for the gusto? Oh, Maybe it might be, different. it might be go for the gusto in here and in my script it's gung ho. Okay, oh, gotcha. It was go for the gusto in my script. Um, so, okay, we've got the early script covered in my, in go for the gusto. That was an old Schlitz beer campaign from the oh, 1960s. Really? Created by the famed ad agency, Leo Burnett. Basically, the idea was consumers were invited to enjoy real gusto or go for the gusto, uh, reach for the gusto, and reminded that you only go around once in life and uh, go for all the gusto you can. And that was a campaign that lasted for well into the 70s. And, uh, yeah, you can find lots of uh, examples. No online. Schlitz. <laughs> I love it. Of course. I've been holding on to that for a little bit. <laughs> One other thing I wanted before we get into kind of the post-show stuff. There are 30 Decepticons. I counted the dots. There are 30 wow. Decepticons on the horizon. Would that be that armada? That Mostly sweeps, about yeah, earlier? an armada. Uh, I will say also, in addition to their... Be- I didn't actually count them, but yeah, you're right. Look at all those. Um, every uh, This is, again, a moment where everything is close to everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Junkions have been waiting... Must have been waiting so long. Because I know it's a cut for time. But, like, how long have the Junkions just been hanging out, like, eyeballing these guys mm-hmm. without doing anything? Mm-hmm. Uh... I don't have any voice actors. I we could go right into uh, everybody's favorite segment of the show. <laughs> I'm the only one who gets to enjoy that. Whenever <laughs> gets to hear you that insanity. You should put together a compilation sometime. Oh yeah, that, about three of them, and you'll be like, shut it all <laughs> on, because it's just noise. <laughs> So the listener will recollect that this Aaron goes first, me, uh, because my script is less crazy and Ryan goes second because we like to save the crazy for the end. You know, it's a nice aperitif as we yeah. move on to the Absolutely. to the real craziness. So uh, the first scene with Galvatron and Unicron happens before the Dinobot Beryllium Balonium scene in my version of the script, which is fairly inconsequential. Um, and it starts off with the same, you know, Galvatron asking why he's tortured him. Unicron explains the failure. Galvatron says Ultra Magnus and the Matrix are destroyed, to which Unicron explains the Matrix cannot be destroyed. Oh. Like, he should have said that right off the top, well, if that's the case. What the fuck? Wait, no, wait, wait. Didn't but, you say earlier in your script that he specifically says destroy the no, Autobot no. Matrix? I think in your script, Aaron, he says, get it for me. Like, bring it, right. to, bring it to me. Oh, right. bring me the Matrix. Right. That's right. right. That's right. right. Okay, right. And so in that sense, I guess Galvatron is failing him. Yeah, he just chance. didn't He's, take notes. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, I got the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's all the same, right? But anyway, that would be helpful up front. He also goes on to say that Ultra Magnus is at the Planet of Junk. Stalk him Cut him open oh. and bring the Matrix to me. Cut him so, open? Yeah, a little. Oh, to cut, cut it out. Cut him, yeah. Cut it out. And the scene on Junkie on Happens. <laughs> Sorry, I just <laughs> Night imagined. Night reference. I, no, no, no. That's from Family Matters. Yeah. 
I just it was um no it's from no no full no house. Uh, full house that's what I meant. Oh. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember the actor's name, but Joey, you, you know, cut it out. I just imagined him as Unicron. <laughs> the worst casting. The scene on Junkion happens right after the moon base with Spike and Bumblebee gets destroyed, so that's a little sequential difference. Okay. And around the same time that we see per- or we see Perceptor bossing people around, Daniel finds out his own suit has Swiss Army-like parts like a welder, which Blur teaches him to use. Cool. Dave Coulier. Thank you. You know, he had his own show that came on after Full House that was like, I feel like it was a prank show. I oh think it God, lasted a I don't season that or something like that. I always hated that guy. Did he do voices on it? Because he loved doing voices. <laughs> he's like a, he yeah, seems Frank like Johnny the Squirrel. Yes, yes. He seems he's like, a broke dick Frank Welker. Oh shit. <laughs> He's, uh, he seems like a nice guy, in what I've read of like and, and seen of him in person. But like, man, I just I can't with the act. <laughs> I always thought Frank Welker was the broke dick Frank Welker. <laughs> Sorry, you did say broke dick Mel Blanc at one That's point. That's true. <laughs> uh, securing our uh, our uh, you know hatred and rivalry <laughs> with, uh, with yeah, Frank we Welker. can never have anyone on the show because we've said. Terrible things we about everybody. Insulting. So, Ryan, what's in your script? Uh, well, okay, I had to actually go back and read because uh, the script earlier because the last time we saw Galvatron was like a staggering twenty-seven pages ago. Oh wow! Yeah, and so I re- went back and read it, and w- what we saw was um, it was when he destroys quote unquote Ultra Magnus' sh- shuttle and tells Cyclonus to go to the Earth base because Galvatron he Galvatron intends to. Claim the fruits of this victory from Ingester personally. And so that's where that starts. Gotcha. That's, that's where we're catching up to that point. Gotcha. So, okay. Claim the fruits, not destroy the Matrix. Well, he thinks it's destroyed or whatever. All right, Unicron <clears throat> is now twice as big or as large as before. Its colors have changed again. And we move closer, we see that the features on Unicron, the tree trunks and grasses, have fattened and become sleeker, fuller, and like the rest of Unicron, Cron brighter. Galvatron, voiceover. Your planet has become truly majestic in Jester. Huge, beyond dreams of vastness. Who's saying that? That's Galvatron. Okay. And so he settles down on the on Unicron, and he says, Perhaps you've fed too deeply of the energy of Earth. Much more, and your appetites may exceed wisdom. You may hunger for Cybertron itself. That I cannot allow. <laughs> and there's a bellowing roar and, go- and uh, the ghostly voice of Ingester. I? You dare speak of I? That's... Anyway, never. Your ingester is Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Are you trying to, I was doing a ghostly trying, voice, so I was taking your bit. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Cybertron if I want. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, you dare speak of I. And then um, there's another belching roar, and he says, You are my worm. You are not an I. And Galvatron says, I've served you well. I. You have failed to complete your mission. The one called Ultra Magnus still exists. And then he says, it's impossible, deny me not, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of words in here. And um, then he says, you will do my bidding. I shall mark the way for you. And there's a cold ray that separates into a pulsing dotted line of, uh, of light arcing down through space as Galvatron sinks to his knees, hands to his throat, eyes wide with terror. So basically... What this is is Unicron is making a pilot wings style path mm-hmm. to the planet of junk. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and then the tree trunk lashes out, whips Galvatron up and into space where he bounces off a pulsing marker and <laughs> sent out by Ingester. And then... Um, I still need to understand, like, do they reference him as Unicron in your script yet, or is he just called Ingester? I can't... Re- yes, because it says Unicron right here. So it's like S- both. Okay. I don't know. 
odd. Yeah, maybe like in, in Jester's a maybe, title. Maybe they maybe they're calling him in Jester. Well, we'll find out. It's but, like Khaleesi. But and... once he trans if once he transforms in your script, then he is revealed as Galvatron. I guess you mean Unicron. As Unicron, I mean. <laughs> so, and then after Galvatron's gone, um, and Jester says, Cybertron, eh? Yes. Another moon would slake my hunger, though. Another moon. And he eats another moon. You should that makes out, sense. You should edit out what that I makes said while ago, I... because I, I got the word Galvatron and Unicron <laughs> used, and that would make no sense. Nope. Uh, and then we skip It's over... part of your role as the everyman. <laughs> well... And so we skip to the <laughs> everyman, the planet of junk, um, and then we uh, see that uh, uh, Blur and Springer are using their finger. There's a flame jet from their finger to weld the knuckle joints of the new canopy. And um, there's a wide shot to include Daniel. He says, this exosuit is fantastic. Want me to do that? And Blur says, weld, really? You, well, why not? Give it a try. But I think it, but think it through first. And then this is another scene where he's thinking, thinking, welding. Thinking. <laughs> yes, Exactly. And um, then uh, we go to the Junkions, and this is where I, this is what Retgar says, Forward, Avanti, Apfel, and Like, go for gung-ho, friends and neighbors, mm. Junkions, Ada, and that's where the, the Decepticon armada, armada comes, yeah. Um, and then Retgar says, hang on, this be Industrial Strength Marauder War, we watch. Watch and wait, by George and Golly Zim Zam. <laughs> and this is a description of what... Uh, what Retgar's supposed to sound like. Retgar speaks Junkanese, a language made up of all the Earth television and radio transmissions he's ever heard, and scraps of all language and idioms. He sounds like a cross between Henry, Henry Kissinger... Uh, first of all, you have to remember when, when I went to China, I knew nothing about China. That's a great qualification for a secret mission, but it happens to be true. A talk show host like Burt Parks... Hi there, I'm Bert Price. You know, I've been a Dodge owner for some time now, and nothing makes me happier than telling people about the new Dodge. And Mr. Rogers on amphetamines. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan here, and I was going to do a bit where I did a sped-up version of Mr. Rogers' voice, the way it says in the script, but um, you know what? Fred Rogers is maybe the only purely and genuinely good and wonderful person who has ever existed in this world, so... I'm not even going to fuck with it. So let's get back to the show where I regularly make pedophile jokes and talk about Jim Jones. All right. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So I had to look up who Burt Parks was. Yeah. He was, um, he was the guy, he's best known as the guy uh, who hosted the Miss America from 1955 to 1979. Okay. Uh, and this is a truly, pop this is a truly insane combination. I can't even put in my mind what that would sound like. Henry Kissinger, Burt Parks, and Mr. Rogers? So they were just On like, get Eric Idle. Yeah. <laughs> Who uh, basically does Eric Idle. In a, I'd know. like to see a conversation between uh, Retgar and Blaster. Mm, interesting. Talking music. Just talking nonsense. That's right. <laughs> uh, was Blaster another rhyming robot? I'm trying to remember he if that rhymes... was a shtick. I don't know if it was in the show. He rhymes early on in the script, in my script, anyway. Okay. I can't remember I mean, if he rhymes no in the show, but that. he did say no way two can play. That's true. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe he rhymes on demand. Uh, okay. Cover your receptors, perceptor. No, there's another rhyme. All right. So okay, we can. We can. I am the ghost of the iconic moment. <laughs> you know. I gotta say, I don't really have an iconic moment for this one. Um, yeah, I thought about it. 
The only one I could think of was the rip him apart is pretty brutal. I mean, okay. that kind of stuck with me. That's on brand, I guess, for this movie, but um, I don't know. That's pretty much it. <laughs> it's just nice to hear uh, Orson Welles work his magic, man. That's right. That's right. Next time on the Autobot Decepticast. All right, next time, all those fittings that were securely welded, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> it's all for naught. <laughs> and uh, the human germ learns how to transform, and we'll see all that on the next episode. So I, the next, I really like the next episode, actually. The next two are great. Yeah, we've got a, a couple good ones. So <laughs> Sorry uh, about this one. <laughs> <laughs> not our fault. <laughs> I blame it all on Nelson Shin, Ron Friedman, and, of course, Flint Dilly. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> fuck the mighty boss toads. <laughs> and Boston. Then the whole city of Boston, for that matter. Oh, Ooh. Jesus. I don't like that. I, I, I know. Never, I've never been to Boston. I, I have to go, but now my Boston pass has been I revoked. <laughs> They're going to have to Boston. <laughs> fuck that place. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. The views of Caleb Carter are not shared by <laughs> the, the Autobots. <laughs> Listen to the show iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. Follow us on our social media Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All of them at APODDCast. And of course, the web presence, AutopodDecepticast.com. Ryan Jet, you got anything fun out there? Um, you know, ideas? I don't know what I'm going to put up on this one. Schlitz uh, beer ads? Yeah. I mean, maybe something like Unicron Whole 30 related. I don't know. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> so, like it. All right. Put a, help. Put a Boss Tones video up there. Sure. I will <laughs> yeah. definitely do that. And uh, just a picture of Caleb with a no sign through it. <laughs> Where do you go? The impression that I get. Do you uh, have any? Uh, do you have any? Uh, pick, I wonder if we could track down the, the guy that punched you in the face, and we could like. I don't know what his name was. Let's shame him. He yeah. had a stupid face. Put his phone number up on. <laughs> <laughs> call this. We'll call s- this guy. We'll Booking send guy. The, uh, the our listeners after him. Our hordes of <laughs> yes. loyal well, followers. The, the people that would help us out the most, the Bostonians, are not going to help us <laughs> That's out. Right. Uh, they'll look. They'll look for a fight anywhere they can get. <laughs> that guy's <laughs> level of alcohol and rage. I'm sure that he's dead. Moving on, everybody. <laughs> iTunes users, rate and subscribe. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I, I sewed it in the cat's butt. Oh, Alf. God, we are the worst in the cat's butt. Or maybe I'm just the worst. <laughs> no, no, no. If you want to get mad, uh, I was trying to find out the guy who he was exchanging emails with, but read the emails between Jack Abramoff and his co-conspirator on uh, the Indian lobbying scandal stuff that ultimately put that guy in prison. Mm-hmm. And that just lets you know... Like the level of which certain privileged people don't give a fuck oh, about other people. Not. Like, uh, they, they, like, first of all, it's really funny because, I mean, I guess they're smart enough and they're in a position of privilege enough that they're able to take advantage of these people. But then, like, my favorite part of the exchange is that uh, one of them, I can't remember if it was Jack Abramoff or the other guy that he, maybe it was Michael Scanlon, probably, who was a former aide to Tom DeLay. Mm. He was implicated and connected to all this. Um, they, uh, they're talking about the Indian tribes. Basically they're playing multiple Indian tribes against each other. They're mm-hmm. accepting funds from them. Like the Indian tribes are kind of trying to fuck each other over. And these guys are accepting money to help them do that in order to like help them expand casinos and things like that. And so, um, so, uh, but they're talking about them in their emails and they're like, these troglodytes don't even know what they have coming. Good and Lord. then like, reply, ha 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 ha, yeah, these troglodytes. And then it'd be a reply back, what's a troglodyte? Oh. <laughs> so, so they're like the Dinobots? The- <laughs> oh my so God. They'll use like this language. I think it's a type of diamond. <laughs> That's from 54. <laughs> Stupid, a troglodyte is a caveman. Yeah. Yeah. That was my Salma Hayek impression. Yeah. People convicted in the Jackie Rush. I mean, that was a big deal. That was a big deal in like the 2000s. This was during the Bush years. Mm-hmm. The and It is just disgusting to listen to these people talk of like I I wonder what the crossover between the they genuinely don't understand. I mean, most of these people are to some level psychopaths, but genuinely don't understand whether they're evil or if they're just putting on a front of like it's like when you you view poor being poor as like some kind of moral failing, like if they weren't sure, if, if they they're knew poor what they were doing, they, they wouldn't be yeah, poor. They're poor because they they they. Uh, right. Where it is like you've born into a family with every opportunity. Sure, <laughs> it's yeah. just uh, it just makes me so mad. Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't generally watch those because I know I'm just going to be infuriated. infuriated. Yeah, yeah. I exactly. like getting infuriated about that stuff for I some reason. Not. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I, sometimes Wes will put it on. I'm like, ah, now I'm no, into it. I, and I, can't, I can't. I can't. The lobbyists charge the tribes $85 million in fees. Abramoff and Scanlon grossly overbilled their clients, secretly splitting the multi-million dollar profits, and they secretly orchestrated lobbying against their own clients in order to force them to pay for lobbying services. Yeah, and it's always in the Fun interviews times. and in stuff where these people are like trying to portray themselves as some kind of victim or trying to say that they didn't do anything wrong. When you look at any of their personal reactions, it's like they 100% know they're cheating everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Read those he... emails. They knew they were cheating mm-hmm. and they also looked really dumb doing it. What's a troglodyte? We know, he, we, the world may never know. Did he knock him over as an argument but in, in unintentionally like pr- I didn't, I didn't, protect, I be- protected I think, him from falling into the trap? I believe that we are meant to believe that they did not they are never See aware that? of the trap. I meant to say that and I forgot to say it in the last episode whether it, it's unclear whether he did it to save him from the trap or out of frustration. Now if they're made of metal I shouldn't even ask these questions right now. I should wait for the episode. Let's just roll with it then. Blow cells, blow cells, where we sell good. <laughs>